Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series, from current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. And today, our good friend and Bible teacher, Donna Van Leer, joins us yet again. Yeah, we are... uh so we're actually broadcasting live from the Corona Cave. <laughs> Directly from. <laughs> Mo's a brave man. Yeah. <laughs> With two former COVID patients Two COVID in here. survivors. Yeah. I'm the lone ranger at this point. Yeah, we don't, I don't know if it's appropriate yet to get COVID survivor on a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> Give it a little time. Maybe it's a little too soon. But, right. <laughs> but no, I'm happy to report that Donna's uh, back. She's out of quarantine. Um we actually did not get it or give it to each Mm-mm. other. So that's, you know, it's a virus. So it's kind of a mystery where it was. Uh, I know I got it from my husband. I know oh, that true. much. <laughs> I don't yeah. know where he got it, but I know where I got it. <laughs> and somehow I managed to not give it to my wife. I, and I, maybe it's because, um, so she's she's had wrist surgery and I apparently am like sleeping with a carp. So I'm like just <laughs> flopping around all night. So she... Uh, quickly kicked me out for her recovery because it hurt, and so, so I think that's probably why I did not transfer it to her because she's she's had like don't yeah. touch me I'm in pain. Um, kind of worked out, yeah I guess so. But then there's that part like where she missed um, like she had to quarantine anyway, so I feel like you know you wasted one, kind of wasted a quarantine. <laughs> right. Like I, I mean I did offer to cough in her mouth. She she uh, oh. she no. said no thank you. No smart smart woman. So, but that does explain why we did not have a podcast last week. We did get a. Several emails and texts asking. Did we really? Yeah, well, that's why uh, we were in the Corona cave. Yeah, and, and and obviously to acknowledge our experience is not like everybody. Some of the folks have, have had a, a pretty serious run with this. So I don't mean to discredit that. I just, for whatever reason, by God's grace, I mine was a head cold. Um, when I lost a uh, sense of smell, Donna got a little more exciting because you lost sense of taste and smell. I lost them both, and I still don't have them back, which is so weird. You still don't have both back? No, I don't have either one back. Uh, throughout the day, I'll take the peppermint essential oil and nothing. Nothing. Just, <laughs> it's not, it's it for not sure working. doesn't work then. <laughs> if, the, if the peppermint oil is not right. doing it, that's a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was trying it with peanut butter and coffee. Yeah. Uh, well, smell coffee. Well, you said that Shannon was frying up some bacon one Saturday morning, and you had no idea. Yeah, that's and, how I knew. Yeah, and so and and I told you that you know if a man can't smell a pound of bacon being fried up, mm-hmm. there's definitely a problem. Yeah. Yes, there's and, trouble. And this is um, this is one hundred percent true. So that's how I knew that my smell had gone, and I knew that for the most part, taste was going to go next. That's what people experience. Mm-hmm. And we had somebody bringing us ribeyes from Outback Steakhouse, and I prayed to Jesus please at least let me keep my sense of taste let this work through dinner right I just couldn't imagine like eating a ribeye that I couldn't taste and so I don't know if I don't know if why God allowed me to keep my taste but oh because honestly the fact is is everybody I've talked about that's lost taste that I've talked to they said they lose weight because they don't eat so I kind of wished I would have. I felt like that might have given me a little spark. Yeah, because the corona, you know, I, I've joked about it, but I've not I'm not flattened my curve at all. I've got to fatten my curve. You've got more curvy. COVID-19 pounds. like Oprah over From here. the lockdown, everybody's added a little poundage. 
Yeah. So fortunately, uh, I don't know, we're here and, and we're back and we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, we want to talk about Revelation 14 today. Um, and, and as we do that, you know, this weekend on Sunday, so at the time of this recording, it's October 20th. Uh, this Sunday, there's actually been a, a proclamation for a, a national day of prayer and, and fasting. And we would invite anybody who is listening to this, even if you're in another country, to join us in that. Um, because there's a lot to pray about right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that I have been the most struck by in this past uh, f- just few weeks has been just an all-out attack on uh, on truth. Um, it, it's crazy to think, like when, when George Orwell wrote 1984, uh, it must have felt like complete science fiction to him. And I know that, uh, I don't know if they still require it in reading, but I remember reading it mm-hmm. and when I was in Brave New World and all those things. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I, I read that and I see like just this week, uh, there's a story that was uh, reported by the New York Post, mm-hmm. for sure a conservative-leaning institution, no question. And then out of nowhere, uh, both Twitter and Facebook just shut it down. Mm-hmm. And if you were following along and listening to their explanations, they did not shut it down based on whether or not it was true or false. That was not the criteria. Their criteria was that it was a Russian hack, that it had to be a Russian hack job. Not that, a, okay, even if it was, which it, it was not, mm-hmm. that we're still stopping. I mean, it was a literal 100% interference in a U.S. election. The very thing that they were accusing Russia of, they were now mm-hmm. participating in. And I was just gobsmacked mm-hmm. by it because... If, if it was about true or false, because when that's what they're saying, we're fact checking, but that's not what they did. They just shut it down. They shut down the press secretary of the United States, uh, the actual New York Post. And of course, after they were threatened with being uh, investigated for in- interfering like a criminal, uh, Jack Dorsey from Twitter, at least sort of like backed off a little bit. But I, I'm thinking in terms of, OK, that's a different world, because let's say that the story was uh, was it, it was a Russian hack or whatever. The, the thing, the information they're trying to protect, quote unquote, protect us from, like them censoring it is actually far more dangerous than the information they're trying to censor it from. And I have been, um, I, fear is not the right word because we know, thank God for the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. because we know that Jesus is on the throne. He's sitting on the cloud and all that. But at the same time, I'm looking at it going, okay, well, the, I couldn't have even imagined this four years ago. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I, this felt like, if somebody would have told me that here we are four years later and that these, and of course they're private companies, they have the right to do whatever. But the fact is, is that they are 100% deciding what information is going to get to us or not get to us. But are they private companies? I mean, they are, but the well, point... <laughs> The government and big tech are interesting bedfellows. The, the amount of cross-pollinating of people from government That's intelligence fair. community into big tech is frightening in of itself. 
um, the amount yeah. of uh, the amount of individuals in government positions, specifically in the intelligence community, that are in our media outlets, is concerning. And it's 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 not a new tactic. It's not a new precedence. Really, it's something that goes all the way back to the Cold War. Um, in something that was called Operation Mockingbird. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that at all. I am I've not. Heard of it? I've yeah, heard it's it. just it's it was just this. I wouldn't say simple, um, but it was this covert operation by the CIA to infiltrate um, journalists that they would I, train. That was in that documentary. It was in the yes. Out of Shadows. Yeah, right. Out of Shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, That's where I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Mike Smith, who yeah. listens to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, they would train journalists and then plant them into you know, various media outlets, whether it was actual publications, newspapers, um, or obviously, you know, the news, the nightly news, CNN, et cetera, et cetera, to help, to help, um, paint the narrative that needed to be painted either along with or against at that time, the USSR. And so it's this idea still today that many believe that Operation Mockingbird still exists at some level, at least in concept, to um, whether it's the intelligence community infiltrating media to to direct a narrative. Mm. Okay. Well, Go you, ahead, Donna. you you referenced the social dilemma on Sunday, which you've yeah. seen bits and pieces of. Yeah. <laughs> My principled stand against Netflix. I'm happy to like hack. <laughs> right. But they mention in there that there's basically there are a f- only a few people who are making these decisions as to what gets put on air or what gets yeah. put on social media. It's literally a few people who are directing all of us. True fun fact here, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but the group, the Scorpions from the 80s, uh, a German band had a monster hit uh, all over the world called Winds of the, the Wind of Change. You, don't, you were like four when this all came out. But, <laughs> yeah, I missed it. But this is an absolutely true fact. There's actually a podcast uh, series investigating that this song was actually written by the CIA as a plant inside of communism to help turn the tide in uh, East Germany. And it's mm. fascinating because it's it's probably true mm. that yeah. one of the biggest songs ever, and this is still like the biggest song of their career. They're all like geriatric now, you know, they're drinking like Ovaltine and stuff like for breakfast, but mm. they, uh, that, that's been around now. And I would say to take that a step further, even though, you know, writing really, you know, cheesy 80s ballads is kind of fun that when you hear that somebody in a position of power does not want you to read or to see something, that should probably give you a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, you should probably check that probably out. Probably <laughs> check it out. And the irony, of course, is that most of these that they've tried to ban in the past few months have just Skyrocketed because we've been told we shouldn't see it. It actually mm-hmm. makes us want to see it more. Yeah. Uh, and when you think to what we are being told right now, like the uh, the thing that I've seen the most is um, so I don't I don't know much about the QAnon. Um, I don't know if it's a guy. I don't. Mm-hmm. But but what I know is that um, from the from progressive media that they have made a boogeyman out of QAnon. In much the same way the right makes a boogeyman out of George Soros, 
the left has made a boogeyman out of this QAnon uh, conspiracy. In fact, one of the uh, more recently, um, a journalist here in town named Bob Smaitana, who I, I, I respect. And, uh, but it seems like every time he's writing something about uh, a story uh, that it has a right leaning, whatever, he'll attach QAnon to it to try to uh, do away with the credibility like the, the Netflix show Cuties which was when I took my principled stand against <laughs> Netflix which was I, you know I'm a father of daughters I just have this thing about sexualizing 12 year olds mm-hmm. call me old fashioned if you must but that's I just I sort of think that's a line I'm willing to draw so Bob's article at Religious News Services uh, throws up a story about cuties and how that actually is a QAnon conspiracy that everybody's canceling Netflix he threw QAnon in front of it to try to throw now, I don't think he's intentionally trying to say that that's, a, you know, that I'm crazy or whatever. But by just throwing that in front of it, it sort of like eliminates whether or not we should even believe it. And Noah Feldman uh, in his deeper uh, podcast, Deep Background is the name of his podcast. Noah Feldman, um, Harvard guy, very liberal. Uh, don't ask me why I listen to him. He just makes me angry. But, um, <laughs> but he... <laughs> He was talking about the, the the danger of QAnon. Okay, let's talk about that. That's fine, whatever. But here was why they said it was dangerous. And uh, I'll, I'll, I guess I could post the link to the episode. I was like, are you kidding me? It's dangerous because it tells people, encourages people to, quote, think for yourself or to do your own research. Like those are the two things they say. Those are cues and that that's, mm. that's you how you You shouldn't know. do that. You shouldn't do that. Mm. And... It was in my, I don't know, for me, the light switch went off of like, that's what they're saying. I'm not smart enough to figure this out on my own. So I need to trust that the experts, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. will tell me what to believe and tell me what to think because I'm not smart enough. And it is about as condescending and insulting. And I might add, not new, not only in the United States, it's not new in history. That's what the Bible was for Mm -hmm. hundreds of years. The they say it's the Catholic Church, but it was there was no different. It was a theocracy between the government and the church, the king and the. Uh, we were told uh, we can't be trusted to read the Bible, mm-hmm. so we we will tell you what you can and can't. And of course, what did you know? They tell the Bereans they were the Bereans were actually more noble because they went to the Bible and they read and they decided for themselves if this is what the Bible said and. That's the demonic nature of what we're experiencing right right now Mm -hmm. is to tell us, to tell my kids, to tell everybody listening to this podcast, you're too dumb to figure this out. Mm -hmm. So trust these experts and they'll tell you. Now, of course, let's uh, ignore whether or not the experts are right. Let's ignore the behaviors of the own uh, experts that are telling us what to think and I think that is about as demonic as uh, is the book burnings, the Salem witch trials, all those things were from, uh, whether it's from the left or from the right, is telling us that we are not smart enough. And God is telling, I mean, that's just the antithesis of why God gave us a brain. And it tells me that one more sign that we are in a time of great preparation for the return of Jesus. Is deception. Deception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is what Jesus it was the warning, his first warning to his disciples on at the during the Olivet Discourse. He told them that. He said, watch out that no one deceives you. It was the first thing he said. And then he warned them three more times yeah. within there that deception 
was going to be so large and looming over them during the days prior to his coming again. And, and that's where we are. happening on steroids. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to this, I remember, if you remember, Mo, like when we were doing the prayer chapel, people were coming to us and saying, because especially in May, there was there seemed to be a lot of confusion. And I had multiple people tell me, and I know they've said the same to you, Darren, just just tell me what to think. I don't even know what to think, so just tell me. And, and by the way, um, that's flattering. And if I wanted to start a cult, I suppose that'd be the place <laughs> to start. That's a good out. way to start. Right? I mean, I hear that cult leaders get paid really well, so I don't know. I have to look that up. And they didn't have that on career day for me. But but I, as flattering as that was, uh, I had to take a step back and say, I can tell you what I think, but that's not what I'm going to tell you to think. I'm going to tell you to think, to look at the scriptures, and to you to go Berean on this. Mm-hmm. That's a... Uh, a way better. It's the biblical way, the biblical narrative of it. And well, think, thinking is thinking is hard. It, well, it requires work. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's effort and there's time. And I think so many folks are just overwhelmed by everything that's going on that it's just easier just to lean in or rely on someone else to do the work for mm-hmm. them. I mean, yeah, and, and that's fair. I mean, if you're a mom, a, yeah, trying to figure this stuff out, and and especially when you have just stuff flying at you. Right, because there's, to me, the, the things we have to remember that there's information, there's misinformation, and there's disinformation. Yeah. All the time. And it's it takes time and effort to discern what is being told to us and what we're receiving. Like, we have to do the work to discern yeah. and move from knowledge to wisdom. And you know what? I'd say that's an interesting word that you would choose because the spiritual gift of teaching in Romans 12, I've, I think it's the best word for it is discerner. Um, and there, there's a gift for that. And I think Donna has that gift. I know you do because Donna's constantly connecting dots for me. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Th- there is a truth in that, that that's a, that is a spiritual gift. And by the way, it's an office in Ephesians 4, the teacher to connect the dots. So it is our job, uh, our privilege to get to dig deep in this stuff. Uh, and yet, even with that, we're not perfect. We are just women and men here trying to mm-hmm. do the best we know to steward God's word. And so that's where the Bereans would go back and say, okay, so that sounds great, Donna. That was fascinating. Let me go look in the Bible myself and see if that's what it really says. But it does help us, I think, in fact, I would go a step further and say, um, in times of prosperity in America, in times of success, when things are going really well, the most successful pastors, um, leaders, are going to be ones that maybe have the visionary gift, right? They're going to have the, the encourager gift. This season has been a season where we need the voice of the discerners to rise up. We need the voice of the guardians, the ones that administrate into. Because mm-hmm. this is information that requires us to, because that's the one gift that I know of the gift of teaching is this, that it is about the truth. Just tell me what's true or not and let the chips fall where they may. And what uh, the blessing and the curse is that the truth is not always very popular. In mm-hmm. fact, oftentimes history has taught us over and over again, the truth is not popular. And so it's folks like, us that have to rise up and stand at a time when we know that we might not be popular, when we know 
that emotionally this is exhausting because they don't understand and the uh, the, the culture is teaching one thing. But it's, I, I, you know, hopefully that's what this deeper podcast can be for us a little bit even. It's just a voice of truth mm-hmm. in a time of confusion. Yeah, truth know. can really uh, weed out a congregation pretty quickly. Yeah, that's, you know, isn't that the truth? Mm-hmm. Uh, no pun intended. I, from my old days in the music world, that was something we always struggled with uh, was the truth is not necessarily commercially viable. Mm-hmm. Um, what made somebody want to turn the radio up, you know, all due respect to my friends at K-Love, you know, encouraging and positive. That's what they say. They don't say encouraging, positive and true. Um, not that they're lying. It's just that that's not something that's been in their thing. But sometimes what's true uh isn't so happy and so you have to know the truth and by the way i think that does give me courage and joy to know that something's just to know what's true mm-hmm. and you know for us i thank you know thank god for technical platforms like this um and just pray that uh, we don't get censored um and if we do we'll find another way um it does beg me i mean we're we're here we're on revelation 14 um there's this 144,000 uh, standing. So it's verse one that I looked and there before me was the lamb standing on Mount Zion uh, with him, 144,000. They had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Donna, could you give us like a synopsis of where we find ourselves in the book of Revelation? We are 14 chapters in, mm-hmm. but where, like, can you place this on the timeline of the book of where we are? Sure. The The final judgments are about to be um, poured out. The bowls of wrath are about to be poured. And we're about to meet the uh, angels that are going to make the proclamations that it's coming. And so this is kind of a pause. But John is seeing the 144,000, which were all sealed, supernaturally preserved back in chapter 7. They're the 12,000 um, Jewish men from each of the 12 tribes of Judah, um, of Israel. Um, so we see them now, they're standing on Mount Zion and all 144,000 of, of them are there. And Mount Zion, when it's in scripture, it's always land. It's always Jerusalem. It's not a heavenly place. It's not somewhere mystical. It literally is a physical place. And so John sees them standing there with Jesus, and they are all accounted for, and they are about to enter the millennial kingdom. They're singing this song, and it's it's about to happen. So he sees them first before these uh, angels make their proclamations. Do you think, um, timeline here, they're about to enter this. Do you think this is all happening like simultaneously, like in the last of the tribulation seven year period, or is this sort of like spread out over a three and a half year period of the last half of tribulation? I, I think this particular uh, chapter, I think this particular. Um, see. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What song was that? Singing in the rain. It's been on there for years. My kids put it on there. Um, but if you want to go back, I'll. Um, no, no, no. I, oh. I think we'll leave that right where that okay. was. Was that Troy calling you singing no. in the rain? Okay. No. no. No, this particular chapter, I I believe this is happening during the, the, the final few moments, if you will, of the tribulation period. These angels are making their final 
proclamations. We see that the angels flying overhead. He's got the eternal gospel to proclaim. But you know, it's not the gospel of of grace. It's the God. It's the eternal gospel of judgment is finally coming. So we see the 144,000, they're standing there, and this angel is flying throughout the earth, basically saying, this is it. This is your last opportunity. And how hardened do you have to be if you see that angel flying around the earth and you still reject the message of Jesus? That's important to understand because... Uh, maybe someone younger in their faith, or I don't know, maybe someone who's been in their faith for a while and and think of God and think, oh, how could God be so harsh and how could he be so uh, judgmental or whatever? But these people that if you are rejecting him at this point, like this, you're not a, this is, you're a dangerous person. You are somebody that, that ought not to be in the millennial kingdom. Mm-hmm. This isn't... Um, a, and he doesn't even make it hard. He's basically saying, hey, look, the millennial kingdom. Look, I'm here to save you from this. Repent. Change your mind. Turn around. And for those that are saying no thank you to that, you know, th- th- this isn't like your garden variety uh, person who might have backslidden and is doing some naughty stuff. This mm-hmm. is like, I'm done. I'm not. Like, Jesus is offering an enormous amount of mercy mm-hmm. to them. And when you think about that period because we we learned earlier in revelation that that satan has gotten the key to the abyss and has unleashed all those yes fallen angels so just think about the the atmosphere even at that time right think about what that is we can't we can't imagine right. what that's going to be like we can't imagine that level of darkness yeah, I mean, maybe the closest we could even try to come to imagining it would be to think back, you know, maybe Sodom and Gomorrah, think back with, with the days of Noah, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, the, the darkness that was happening, because he said it would be like that in the days mm-hmm. of Noah. Um, and yet, even then, hard to get our mind wrapped around, like, what would it be like with demonic entities that have been locked up? I mean, they're locked up mm-hmm. for a reason, right? right? And so they've been freed into this dark time definitely a time that man you don't want to be here for this Mm -hmm. it's just not you don't have to be like why would you you know was it your friend donna that was saying that i'll wait till the revelation i'll wait till the tribulation and get saved i mean yeah oh yeah well he he actually said "I, i i can be a leader then yeah. If you can't be a leader for Christ now, you cannot be a leader for yeah. Christ during the time of tribulation. Was, was it like Kirk Cameron influence? Because Kirk Cameron looked pretty good in the tribulation. Maybe that. Yeah, with that jacket. It, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> maybe he just made it attractive as an option. I feel like that's you know I, I feel like that's probably still not a good idea. But and, and from that in those judgments, even down into verse eight, um, he starts talking about fallen is. Uh, and here's Darren. By the way, mine is on do not disturb. Can I just say that right now? And it still rang, so I don't know what I've done wrong. Um, A second angel followed, and he says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. Like, this idea of Babylon, when John is saying Babylon, the Jewish people would have understand that understood that mm-hmm. perfectly because of all whether it's the Assyrians or whoever like the Babylons were the ones that really stuck out in their memory mm-hmm. 
And he is writing this to a group of people who have already been displaced. I mean, I can't even imagine what it would, how, how hopeless would it have felt if they come into Franklin, okay, and they take us off and they carry us out of here and they, uh, we're all scattered now. So now I'm sitting down like in, you know, Tuscaloosa and maybe the Van Leers are over in Tunica and we're all... <laughs> But we've literally lost everything. How hopeless would it have felt mm-hmm. to them? And Babylon was their memory of that. That was what happened to them when Babylon came. And so this was him. And there was a literal Babylon. Absolutely. But I believe that there is a demonic entity that represents who Babylon is. And the maddening wines of her adultery, you know, mm-hmm. and, and remember, it's not like Mad Max beyond Thunderdome, like Babylon was like the city. I mean, the hanging gardens of Babylon are one of the seven wonders of the world. Like these were a prosperous, successful. Mm-hmm. It was Los Angeles. It was New York. It was completely pagan. It and was without God. Completely pagan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, but I say that like it wasn't like when I say well, like, so I used to think like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome like Tina Turner and uh, Mel Gibson and like you know uh, like what's the, the the desert where they burn stuff the Burning Man Festival like people dress in weirdo costumes mm-hmm. and um, driving around on chariots and stuff I, the there was complete paganism and it was completely secular and it was completely uh, prosperous and successful and. It was desirable. Mm -hmm. And that is what he was saying. That is what has fallen. And I think um, part of what we even experience in our modern context uh, is that for a society to be successful while simultaneously being pagan or secular, you are going to have Babylonian behaviors involved in that. You just are. It requires trampling on the poor. It requires slave labor. It requires uh, financial impropriety and abuse and false accusations and Mm -hmm. injustice. And so, you know, when we get to that chapter, it actually, he lists out all the things that are fallen with Babylon. One is pharmakia, Mm -hmm. drugs, uh, drug industry. Uh, One of them is slaves. He Mm -hmm. speaks of slaves and we in America talk about Slaves, as if it's in the past, and we all know 100% that it's not, that it's still happening with our society. And so, God coming here, it doesn't, this is, this sounds harsh, fallen as Babylon, but he's basically, he's not basically, he is saying, I am done with you. Yes. I am done with this. What you have created. Yeah. This You've is. You've done this. Yeah. And we, we live in Babylon now. Yes. We are raising our children in Babylon. Right. Right. We're in Babylon, and this is just a shat. I mean, the tribulation is just casting a shadow because we already see so many things now. Yeah. You know, you just mentioned slavery, and there's more s- slaves now than any other time in yeah. history. So we see that shadow of the tribulation in our Babylon society. But God says it's doomed. It's doomed to destruction. He says it yeah. twice, fallen, fallen, just to make sure they no, know. Just in case you didn't know. Mm-hmm. And look, it needs to be. Like the Isaiah, the government will be on Jesus's shoulder. Like there is a reason why Jesus is coming back and to set up a government that doesn't oppress people, that is fair, that is just. And this is not like him being arbitrary and capricious. This is, 
you know, I, a lot of people in, in a modern uh, vernacular or whatever, they, they're kind of offended by this stuff. Mm-hmm. Or they don't even touch it. I mean, I, I can't remember if I said it on this podcast, but, you know, if you go to, uh, I mean, Tim Keller is one of the most brilliant minds. Uh, and I'm utterly grateful for Keller's work. Um, but if you go to his teachings, the guy's been teaching for longer than I've been alive, I think. <laughs> And they've got chapters, everything, everywhere. But when you go to Revelation, nothing. Uh, a handful. Mm. So they did like the the seven churches. Oh yeah, seven all churches of, are popular. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And all of it's I think from the early nineties. Like, correct me if I'm wrong on that. But but you know I liked I, so I like to listen to you know a little bit of N.T. Wright, a little bit of Chuck Smith, a little bit. I just I'd like to see what others are, mm-hmm. you know, and see how it synthesizes whatever. But I was super disappointed that a guy that's one of the most brilliant minds in the country has gotten to Revelation and thought. Mm, well, let someone else do the heavy lifting mm-hmm, on that. And, mm-hmm, sure. it, and it's sad, not in any, of course, not in any judgment. The guy's, you know, again, he's forgotten more about the Bible than I know. But the fact is, is that it's, I think it's sad because this, for an American context, is, it's becoming more and more relevant. But for a global context, this book is everything to mm-hmm. our friends. They, it is everything for them to hear that Babylon has fallen, mm-hmm. that God is going to get the last word. Um, we His have, kingdom's coming. Yes, that is huge, huge blessing yes. that the kingdom is coming. We have right now two different rescues underway in Asia. Uh, one of which is 21 people. There's four families. Nine of them have been shot. Mm. Uh, not shot to kill, but shot to torture. Will you turn to Allah and reject Christ? And if they say no, then they'll shoot them in the leg or shoot them in the arm. It's terrifying. Uh, we have the money. We're trying to get them released. Uh, we're bringing in lawyers now. We're bringing in uh, government officials. And then there's other three families, and they're not being shot, but they're being kept in a prison. We have got the money. We have got the paperwork, and they're being oppressed. And we're going to, by the way, we're going to win. Like, we're not screwing around. We're going to mm-hmm. figure it out. But they read this and think, Babylon has fallen. That's hope for them. Because if this is all there is, and that's your life, then this is a hopeless place. But if this is not all there is, and this is right, that's this is important. And it's important for us in our country because we don't know the future here. We're not guaranteed that this stuff all works out for us here. I hope it does. Mm-hmm. believe it will. But, you know, when you get the two major uh, platforms out there saying what we can and can't say, yeah, that's... That doesn't go anywhere good from here, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't right. like suddenly we come to our senses and think, oh, well, we, were, we were just kidding. Mm-hmm. They just, it inches in and inches in and inches in. And so we, Babylon being fallen is not a bad thing. Um, the second, the third section of this passage, um, we get into these harvests here. Well, actually, before that, okay. uh, because that, uh, another proclamation from the angel is is either take the mark of the Antichrist okay. yep. and you're doomed. You'll live temporarily, but you're doomed eternally. And that choice is still made today. Yeah. And I think you had said that a, a few weeks ago. You either choose to worship God or you choose to worship Satan. And that sounds really harsh, but it's true. You are either worshiping God or you're worshiping Satan. You're worshiping yeah. what Babylon gives yeah. you. When we when we talk about worship in the definition of what worship really is, 
singing is a form of worship, but it is not in of itself worship. Worship is offering your life as a living sacrifice, Romans 12.1. And whatever I worship, uh, I'm marked by that in my life. And I have worshipped power. I have worshipped money. I have worshipped success. Mm -hmm. And my life was marked by those things. And it's not a good mark. Mm -hmm. And the idea here that um, is this a literal mark? I think it is. Uh, I I genuinely think, and especially with the technology that Mm -hmm. we've seen right now. Sure. uh, You can see, I mean, I was just reading today the global passports for health and stuff. I mean, I... I mean, oh, good Lord, I've been vaccinated for almost everything. I mean, they told me I would survive nuclear war because I was, <laughs> I was I was at Vanderbilt and they're just showing me pictures. And I'm like, yeah, and if you get this, like that'll wrinkle up and fall off. So you don't want that. So, yeah, well, give me that, too. Give me that. Give me that. And I didn't know if she was working on commission or not. But I like, I walked out of there like $2,000 poorer and I was like vaccinated for whatever. But um, and I still managed to get malaria. So go figure. And COVID. Um, there you go. Yeah, I got, I got and COVID. So go figure. Uh, but that stuff, the technology is there. If it's whatever is literal about it, we know that, that there's there's literal. But what we John First John said that the the spirit of Antichrist is already here. Is that mm-hmm. First John? Or yeah, second? it is First, first John. John. Yeah, uh-huh. that the spirit of Antichrist mm-hmm. is already here, and anti in place of is already here. And there's never been a better time for us to look at our idols, to look at what I have put in place of Christ, mm-hmm. and to. Uh, recognize it and to not worship it and to allow my life to be marked by who I worship, which is what these 144,000, they were marked by Mm -hmm. the father and the son, both of them marked them with it. And it brings us then to the third section as we go into this, which is these harvests. Um, There's two harvests mentioned here. But there's three in the Bible. Three in the Bible. Three in the Bible. Two mentioned here. Yes. So do you is it do you want to do the first harvest before we even get into the second and third here? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, because the 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 first harvest is the barley harvest. If you remember uh, when Jesus when he fed the five thousand and two of his disciples brought him the little the little boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said they literally said he has five barley loaves ah he didn't say wheat loaves he had barley loaves it was time of the barley harvest so you mean it was gluten free <laughs> yeah it was it had to be right Ezekiel bread. <laughs> it was the expensive bread and that barley harvest is interesting because hosea purchased his bride with barley ruth if you remember it was the barley harvest when she arrived and boaz was her kinsman redeemer Hmm. and she would glean the you know the barley um out out in the fields and she became his wife and the barley harvest is is basically the purchasing of the bride it's what's happening right now jesus Hmm. is purchasing his bride it's the time of the barley harvest and when you think about that little boy with the five the five loaves of barley, and there were five thousand people fed, talk about a multiplication of right. grace. I mean, wouldn't wouldn't that be awesome in our everyday lives to have that sort of wow. multiplication? But we're still in the barley harvest. We're not in those end time harvests. Isn't that interesting? How Jesus every parable is so deep in meaning 
Because if you, if you didn't know what you just said, this is still a, a beautiful picture of what Jesus is doing. Mm-hmm. But you see that Jesus didn't do anything by accident. And so all the ways that he was going to feed 5,000 people, he chose the one with barley loaves to mm-hmm. do it, to tell a story. That, like, that, that stuff about the Bible, I, when I hear somebody say, they don't really, the Bible isn't this or that. I just think you don't understand the Bible then, right. because it's just deep with all kinds of connections mm-hmm. through, and none of them are disconnected. That's all connected through Christ in that way. And this was a, obviously a, an important story because all four gospel writers wrote about it. Yeah, that's one word. It was huge. Yeah, if you if even in John, then you know that that was one we're supposed to know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. it was it was literally bringing them in. It was the harvest was was coming in. And that's so. Even these these verses here, fourteen through uh, twenty, when it speaks of harvest. I mean, Mo, did you like in Ohio? Did you guys have to detassel corn? Did you? Were you like an inner city kid? Did you like grow up in the ghetto? I grew up in the burbs. <laughs> what did you harvest in the burbs? Nothing? Um, what did we harvest in the burbs? <laughs> Del Monte corn out of the can? No, we weren't. We weren't no, we, I grew up. Container I, tomatoes out on his back yeah, deck. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was just corn country in Ohio, you know, mostly. But no, I, I, we, didn't, we didn't harvest anything other than hanging out at the mall. So they didn't make like kids like you go out and work in the fields when you were young. No, I wonder if that was already done. So when well, I was, I, I did. My my parents put out a huge garden, so we oh, yeah. we had to do that with corn, and we had to be out there pulling weeds all the time, Ugh. and we would get paid like a quarter to for to pick a bushel of beans. Talk about <laughs> child labor. No, <laughs> I mean, that was horrible. Violation. <laughs> right. My son on a riding lawnmower feels like there's a crime against humanity happening. Right. But. So is that something you grew up doing? Yeah. Dan? Oh yeah, man. So before, like a summer job or what? It was. So here's the thing. Before uh, immigration had increased, it was little white trash kids like me. They would hire us as, as long as you were tall enough to reach the top of the corn. Uh, then you could get paid for that. And so we would get up in the morning, like a crack of dawn, and in Nebraska in the morning, it's kind of cold. I'm not going to lie to you, even in the summer, and the beans are wet. But yeah, so that was our job was, and they would pay us, uh, oh, it was pathetic, I don't know. I just, I remember this though, by the end of the summer, I probably would have made about $150. <laughs> and we would drive to Hastings, Nebraska, or Grand Island, I'm sorry, the city, like the Conestoga Mall, and they had the brass buckle. Uh, <laughs> see, people don't know this. If you go to the buckle, all those affliction shirts that everybody uh, is like, they have you know, perpetrated on society, that all started in Kearney, Nebraska, with a place called the Brass Buckle. And it was like the cool place where you get Pepe jeans and Z Cavaricis, but uh, <laughs> my 150 bucks. But that's right. really like, like my, we didn't have any money, so that's mm-hmm. how we made money to go and so my point is is like harvest was actually a good thing for us it was like that was our harvest festival we're going to the mall Mm -hmm. we're getting in a car and driving to a city and enjoying the fruits of our labor you know which was yeah some pepe jeans uh and guess sometimes in the clearance rack but the point is is this is a harvest Mm -hmm. and you know in a modern i don't know context that doesn't necessarily mean as much as it used to but i promise you in East Africa, uh, we have a thousand acres over there that Alex Matala has cleared. And I swear to you, it looks like North Dakota, but with Africans running it. Like we have grain bins, 
we shipped over a bulldozer. I don't know if you know that, Donna, but like we, you remember mm-hmm. that boat? Like we shipped a bulldozer. It turns out you can ship a bulldozer. Who knew? Wow. Um, but that farm every year they they plant and they grow and they trust that God will bring the rain because there's not irrigation. I've stood in that field and prayed for rain with them. Mm. And when the rain comes and then the latter rain comes. And then the harvest comes, and it's a joyful time. They're working hard, by the way. As the harvest is coming, it's hard work, long hours, long nights, long days. And then there's a celebration because the harvest is over. So when I read these verses here uh, in Revelation, especially these first, uh, verse 14, it it says, Look, uh, I looked, and there before me was a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was one like the sun of man 100% a reference to Jesus mm-hmm. Daniel 7 uh, with a, a crown of gold on his head just in case you wondered was it Jesus we're going to put a crown of gold just so you know and a sharp sickle in his hand and then another came out of the temple and called out in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud take your sickle and reap because the time to reap has come and the harvest of the earth is ripe. And so he who was seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. And I, I touched on this on Sunday. Um, I think that this harvest is the one that Jesus referred to uh, in his parables in Matthew 13. Jesus spoke in agricultural language a lot. Uh, Matthew 13, the first few verses is the parable of the sowers and the four soils. And then he goes on to talk about the parable of the weeds, the uh, the wheat and the tares. And how do you know? And, uh, and it's such a beautiful picture because um, in, in a wheat harvest, wheat is like the, that's a big crop where for I grew up, corn and wheat. We called ourselves the corn huskers as far as our football. But, <laughs> right. but wheat was a big thing. And wheat was different. We would go pull weeds out of corn or out of beans, but not out of wheat. Because if you pull the weeds out of the wheat, it actually pulls out the wheat and damages the crop. So Jesus was using a very specific picture here. Mm-hmm. And the way that you know when it's time to get the weeds is that wheat when it is fully ripe, bows, it bends over. The, the stalk, the fruit of the wheat, the head of the grain, bows over, whereas the wheat, the tares, the weeds, stand straight up. And so that's how they know where they're at. And then when the harvester comes, you know, we say sickle now, but the, our modern version of a sickle is a combine that has GPS, air conditioning, <laughs> right. and a radio. Like they've got like Spotify going on in there. It's not the way we used to have to do that. Mm-hmm. But... That's the harvest that he's talking about there, right? And this specifically, I mean, do you think, Donna, this is in the tribulation? Is this a time when he is harvesting those from the tribulation that have come to Yeah, it's definitely because he says in verse 30 of Matthew 13, he says, he's telling them, he says, let both grow together until the harvest. Hmm. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. And he goes on further, because they say, well, explain to us this parable of the weeds. And Jesus says, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, the good seed is the sons of the kingdom, the weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil, 
the harvest is at the end of the age and the reapers are angels. Boy, it sure does sound like what they're describing right here, doesn't right. it? Right. He's yeah. going to put in that sickle and his angels are going to they're going to take the evil ones, the ones who have worshipped the Antichrist, the ones who have worshipped Satan. They're going to gather them and they're going to burn them. Yeah. And that sounds so awful, but we need to remember that of 12 instances in the New Testament where hell is mentioned, Jesus says it 11 times. Jesus talks about wow. hell 11 times. Yeah. And when he ta- when they uh, mention hell fire, he mentions it, well, I have to look exactly, but he's the one, again, he says it more than anybody else. So Jesus is trying to tell us hell is a real place. It is an eternal separation from him and the father and we see this wheat harvest at the end at the end of the age we see the harvesters as the angels and then as it goes on in back in revelation 14 there's like this second harvest um and i was struck because verse 17 another angel came out of the temple in heaven and he too had a sharp sickle and still another angel who had charge of the fire came from the altar. Uh, cloud, he called in a, cloud, a loud voice with a sharp sickle. Take your sickle and gather the cluster of clusters of grapes from the earth's vine because its grapes are ripe. And the angel sung, uh, swung the sickle in the earth. It gathered its grapes and threw them into the great winepress of God's wrath. And they were trampled in the winepress outside the city and blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of uh, 100, 180 miles, 1600 stadia. And what I was struck by, uh, friends of ours, probably friends of yours from the music world too, Kip and Valerie Summers, who own Arrington Vineyards. Um, Kip used to play keyboards for Margaret Becker. A little mm. fun fact trivia there. Um, and... Uh, Valerie was an agent with me at William Morris Agency. Where they start a uh, a vineyard. We were actually we actually had planted vines out there like twenty years ago. They had a everybody come plant vines day, which I then realized was oh that was how you got free labor that worked for you. It's like the story <laughs> of my life, working on a farm for nothing. Um, but I, they don't use sickles to harvest grapes. Like mm-hmm. that's not the tool you use for grapes, unless. That's going to be the last time that you plan on harvesting that vineyard. Mm-hmm. You're just mowing everything down. This is this is a demolition. Mm-hmm. And I was struck by, uh, you know, there's the question of, is there going to be a literal river of blood that flows from basically the equivalent of Nashville to Knoxville, six feet deep? I don't, I'm not a math guy. I don't know how many bodies that would take to get that much blood. It's mm-hmm. kind of morbid. I guess you probably should put a, a parental warning right. on this. But, <laughs> but what I, whether or not it's literal, it is speaking of something, right? That's when you see a metaphor. It doesn't mean you immediately discount it because it's, well, it's just a metaphor. But you can say, well, it means something. And I was struck by, I wonder how much blood... When you think of the crimes of humanity, whether it's Pol Pot or Hitler or Alexander the Great or any of the Caesars and throughout history, the sin, if the wages of sin is death, 
how much blood would that be of all of their crimes? And, you know, without being a mathematician, I, it doesn't seem to be a stretch that it could be a river from here to Knoxville six feet deep. But that's, that is the consequence of their sin, that this mm-hmm. is a real live problem that they have put on society and on humanity and our sin. The wages of sin is death is not ethereal. Like it's not a metaphor. It's actually literal. The sins that we have participated in, whether directly or indirectly, cause death in other people. And then I was struck by this idea that there's this wine press, right, of God's wrath. And that eventually there would be enough. This is why I think it might be all the sins of all these in one. Mm-hmm. Eventually the wine press was full. Mm-hmm. And then they were called into the wine press at that point. And from that wine press, that it would enough blood to fill a, a river from here to Knoxville. Mm-hmm. That this is a legitimately interesting picture of what the cost of the sin of humanity has been for mm-hmm. a Millennia. Well, verse 10 actually um, mentions the cup of God's anger, and the cup of God's anger is mentioned throughout yes. Scripture. Yeah, that's not the first time that's mentioned at all. No, no, no. So, I mean, we we learn that um, that it, it fills up. It fills up yeah. with sin. Yes. And I, I was listening, well, it was a, a couple of weeks ago, but um, about Abraham, and he was about inheriting the the land of of Canaan and he was told it was going to be their permanent possession but first they had to go to Egypt and they were slaves there for 400 years and you think well why didn't they take immediate occupation of the land and in Genesis 15:16 God gives them this very strange answer he says for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full uh. their iniquities their sins hadn't reached that full mark yet but God has that full mark he has that cup of wrath that cup of anger and when it is full that's when that final harvest is going to take place yeah that's an interesting picture because what I felt when I was watching this of this wine press that would fill there is a point in our lives personally like we know this intuitively where I've just had enough Mm -hmm. like I've just had enough and I'm going to do something about it. Um, it's it's happening in, uh, I mean, I don't know, in a weird way, the passion, uh, the anger of Darren, the passion of Darren was looking at what was happening in Haiti and I just had had enough and I was just done. And I didn't know what we were going to do, but doing nothing wasn't an option. And that's so that's just me in my human anger saying, well, then we'll do something. We'll build a school. We'll do something. And God in his perfect justice in his perfect judgment there is a moment where I've had enough Mm -hmm. it's full and that seems to be the picture of what's happening here yeah I think it was I think you I think you did a good job illustrating it on Sunday talking about you can't have judgment without wrath and you can't have peace without judgment like there's a path to this there's a path to peace that yeah. starts with wrath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is such a good point. So if you're in 
let's say go back to Asia. Okay, that's the one we keep talking about because it's so fresh on our minds. Those people who are freed now, what would keep them from wanting to go back and exact revenge on the people that might have raped their daughter, right? What would keep, what could possibly keep them? And the answer is, the only answer could be a full understanding of God's wrath and that when Paul said in Romans 12 that vengeance is mine, says Mm -hmm. the Lord, he was writing that to a group of people who had been tortured and abused and marginalized and stolen from and to say to them, yeah, you can exact venge on them and it's going to do you no good. All you're doing is completing a cycle, but if you can trust that God's wrath that I will avenge you, then there is a way to walk in love and in forgiveness that is only unique to Christianity. We're not serving an arbitrary and capricious God like Allah, right? That maybe he gives us justice or maybe he doesn't, you know? We're not trusting that maybe Buddha could figure out the way to love everybody and then, but, but my daughter was still raped and what do we do about that? The idea of perfect peace uh, is the only thing uh, can come from, that can only come from perfect justice. And uh, I see that here and think that's what God is going to do. And even But he a, warns. He warns over though. Over and over. Right, which is what these angels are doing. Yes. They're giving those proclamations. It's coming. Judgment is coming. They're, they're giving people warning and time, like do it now. Do yeah. it now. And but God is still doing that today. He's so patient. He's yeah. so long suffering with us. But we can't forget he has that cup. It's oh if it's gonna be full. Right. It's going to be full. And we are a nation, we're a world that not only keeps flipping them off, but flipping them off with both hands, yeah. saying it's gonna be my way. Yeah. I'm gonna run the world my way, run the world, run my life my way not your way and god says okay okay you can do that he's very he's very gentlemanly he lets us do that yeah but he gives us those warning signals yeah and judgment's coming yeah and the warning is this and i would say this even for those who have perpetrated abuse on someone else okay that if they would repent of that and come to him, that even that can become perfect justice Mm -hmm. because this wine press, um, Jesus, something as long ago as Augustine, uses the imagery of Jesus himself in the wine press. And I don't know uh, if you know this or not. I did not know this, but in the garden tomb in Jerusalem, um, it's it's a tomb that there is a lot of evidence for the fact that this could be where Jesus's body was laid. It is not where the uh, current uh, Church of the Holy Sepulchre is located. It's calm, it's peaceful, it's beautiful, and there is this tomb, and it's empty, and it was clearly the tomb of a rich man, and right outside of the tomb, in an excavation, they found a wine press in the garden. Hmm. And it's a chilling thought because if that's the place for there to be a wine press there, in that is such a beautiful image because in this bloodbath, right? That's really what we're watching. It's a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. 
and the bloodbath is either going to be me rejecting Jesus and I'm going into the wine press or me receiving that Jesus will go into the wine press for me and that his blood that would flow to pay for my sins that there would be enough to cover it all to cover all of the sins of humanity like the bones were not broken in the body of Jesus on the cross just as it was prophesied in the book of Psalms not broken because in the bone the marrow of the bone is where blood is made it means there would never be a stop in the production a break in the production of the blood and if there's enough blood in the crimes of humanity that would rise from here to Knoxville six feet there is more blood in Jesus that could cover us who would come to him Mm -hmm. and to receive the work that he did He's either, and that's, I think it's Revelation 19, where it speaks of him in the wine press. The blood is splattered on his clothes. Like there, I'm not just making this imagery up. This imagery comes from Isaiah. It comes from Revelation of, of Jesus himself you know, in, in, in a wine press of God's wrath. The, him drinking. What did he say the night before he died? If there is any way that this cup could be passed from me mm-hmm. anyway, but not my will, but thine be done the language of the cup, the language mm-hmm. of this wine yep. that would be drank. And that's the, the, it's the bittersweet moment of it, right? Because in this crushing, uh, wine is going to be made. Not the wine of the adulteries drunk on the adulteries of the wine of Babylon, which is made on the back of crushing people, crushing in their people justly and crushing them in their wine. This is a wine press that on the other side, when Jesus comes through, is the wine of gladness. Uh, it's the, the imagery of the blood of Christ in the, in the, the Eucharist is, is wine for a reason because it's his blood that would pay for those sins. And I, I've heard people, they talk about this idea that Jesus died to be a good example. He died, we've talked about it on this podcast, and it's just not true like you have to 100% rewrite the entire scarlet thread of scripture mm-hmm. that starts in Genesis and goes all the way to Revelation uh, I, I talked about it briefly on Sunday that Richard Rohr that one of his statements is that you know how, how sick would God have to be to have demand the death of his only son so that he could love you um, and the problem with that statement is that's not what happened. It's not. It's mm. it's either dishonest or disingenuous or just straight up deceitful. I don't know. He probably is a nice guy. I don't know, but but that's it. Wasn't so he could love us. It was because he loved us that he did that. He loved us before while we were yet sinners. He sent his son. Mm. For God so loved the world, not so that he could love us, but because he loves us, and that is the story of Jesus. That's the story of atonement. Atonement, the at-one-ment of it, that now that those sins were paid for by the blood of Jesus himself, him going into the wine press, means now that the wine, the joy, so again, wine is a joyful thing. The wine that comes out the other side of Jesus in that is that now we are righteous in Christ because of that. Um, This chapter 14, uh, there's so much... Oh, so much more we could go into, but um, we don't have time. Donna, do you have any 
parting thoughts for us in this passage? I would just, uh, you know, I always just come back to the same thing over and over again is that God is so merciful to us. He's so gracious. He keeps giving us warning after warning after warning. He gives us the Holy Spirit that nudges us. And um, one of the chilling verses in scripture is when we grieve the Holy Spirit, when he nudges us consistently, when he's when he's saying, Donna, that's not right. That's not right. You know, that's not right. But if I continue to ignore that, that is grieving the Holy Spirit. And there comes a time where we can't grieve that Holy Spirit anymore because, again, he's a gentleman and he'll just he'll just step away, you know, and give us over to ourselves. But until then, we still have that Holy Spirit where he is consistently nudging us. And I just. I'm so grateful that these angels are going to be in the tribulation warning people again and again and again. It's time. It's time to make your final decision has to be made. Yeah. And why would anybody wait? Right. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit here on this side. Don't don't grieve him. I I mean, that's a pretty interesting language because we've heard that phrase. I mean, I grew up in the church, so... You know, for us, grieving the Holy Spirit meant like if we were coughing or messing around when the Spirit was moving. But, but the grief in the Holy Spirit is like it's like a, a, a mother, you know, coming. Please come home to my children, and mm-hmm. by by refusing and rejecting it, it grieves mm-hmm. that mother. It would grieve a father whose children are rejecting them. To, to, I've done all of this, and I just want you to come home. Mm-hmm. Mo, any last thoughts from you? You know. Uh, Interestingly enough, the end times is trending today on Twitter um, because uh, Pat Robertson has claimed that the Lord told him that Trump is going to win the election and it's going to throw us directly into the end times. Um, he made that statement this morning. And so, uh, so the, there's sorry. not enough time to, uh, <laughs> right. Can we say that? <laughs> right. Yeah, go ahead. How old is, how old is Robertson right now? Oh, I don't know. Is he like a hundred? I don't know. He's, he's, he's 90 at least, yeah, right? Yeah. 90 or 90. And, 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 you know, he's on video and he's as frail as can be. And, mm-hmm. But the point being is the, the phrase in times is circulating around today. And, and so, you know, it's just, it just brings in, you know, some some fear mongering and this and uh, you know more misinformation and disinformation mm-hmm. all these things you know that have to do with even Christianity and and so I would just encourage our listeners to thank you know first of all thank you for listening to this podcast hopefully it is a um, a source of truth and hopefully it is can be a compass to help point you back to the Bible and and. Another stat that I read today is that um, two thirds of all Americans get all of their news from social media. Oh wow! And wow, that was that a Pew scary. A Pew oh. research study from last year, from 2019. And that makes me think my people perish for lack of knowledge. Ouch! This, think about yeah, that. Correct. And we're we're in the middle of it, and so, um, so yeah, just encouraging our listeners to to do the work, to do the research, to get out of the screen and into your Bible, um, and. And find fellowship with other believers and challenge each other and research the scriptures and pray uh, for discernment and pray for wisdom as as you come across these things. Yeah, I um, and look, in fairness to Pat Roberts, he's done a lot of good. And hey, I mean, yes, he's, he's done, done great, great things. Yes. You know, 
J and Pam Seculo exist as an organization, the mm-hmm. ACLJ, because of, of Pat. Like that, our church met in a high school because Jay won a Supreme Court case in 1990 or whatever that was financed by Pat. Like mm-hmm. he started a university. They trained up all kinds of lawyers. Okay, that's all. Let's acknowledge that that was really good stuff while simultaneously acknowledging uh, he doesn't know. <laughs> like, he just doesn't know. Right, if, yeah. G- if Jesus doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. And and the signs are all here now yeah. anyway. The signs are here. We are yeah. definitely in the last, you know, breaths. Yeah. Because we see that he said we would know the seasons, right? right. So you know the, the, the leaves, but that's like saying, okay, but that orange leaf on that tree is the one that now we all know, but that's right. not, he didn't say one leaf. He right. didn't say that President Trump wins and now we're going to have the mm-hmm. Antichrist, but you know, I mean, wouldn't that be the ultimate irony that Trump was the Antichrist? <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Um, but he said, we would know this is the season. So we're not looking at individual trees or leaves. We're mm-hmm. looking at entire forests and saying the seasons are changing. And right now it is fall. The seasons are changing. It's yes. colder in the morning. We know that there, you know, so we know that things are changing. And because of that, instead of spending an enormous amount of energy trying to figure out who the antichrist is going to be we only have so much energy let's spend it on the harvest mm. like right now in the middle yeah, i'm not going to say which country there is a country that one of our partners is going to be at this weekend uh for a hundred dollars okay we can buy rent a bus for the day and each bus would go to a village where there would be a pastor who's in charge of inviting people to come in this Muslim country to this open air evangelistic outreach. Uh, we as a church uh, have invested in a uh, hundred buses. Wow. Uh, which represent potentially uh, 50 to 80 people per bus. Mm-hmm. Um because we believe that's a great use of God's money in the end times to say, if you're a Muslim that needs Jesus, let's get you there. And mm-hmm. so uh, they're actually, uh, they're believing for about, there'll probably be 20,000 people at this event. And uh, each one of these buses has a pastor on them. Their pastor will take them back to the village they came from. will be preaching Christ to them on the way and churches will be born by this time next week. Mm-hmm. That is what we get to be about our father's right. business. That's the barley harvest. It's the barley Coming harvest. In. That's yep. right. We're still in barley. We're That's not right. in wheat with a sickle. We're yep. on the barley side. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't think of a better way than to do that. And if you, by the way, heard that and you thought I'd like to get in on some of that, if you go to conduitchurch.com and you click donate, um, just put it in general mission fund and I'll keep an eye on it in these next few days. We'll, for every $100, we can send another bus. So there's oh, no wow. shortage of buses. Like They could send a bunch more. So if, if, if anybody feels led to jump on that, uh, conduitchurch.com, uh, donate there. Please be praying for our families that are currently being rescued right now from slavery. There's a lot going on. Be praying for our churches in uh, Nepal. Uh, the schools in Uganda and Haiti are opening again. So we're currently uh, trying to raise the funds for that. And I just hung up with our guy in North Africa. And we told you this. You didn't walk in uh, before. He just hung up with our guy in North Africa. And... Uh, in the Atlas Mountains in North Africa, uh, there's a guy there that we've been working with for years, and we've been. Uh, if we can get him five thousand uh, dollars, he's going to be able to get back up. And these churches are all struggling right now. Nobody's going to help them there, and so we're going to help. Uh, we call him. I'll call him Patrick for the for this whatever for the sake. His name is not Patrick, but uh, 
I've been there. I was actually supposed to be there in March until my trip got coroned. Um, <laughs> but they don't need me. They kept going without me. So anyway, just those are things we could be involved with right now. Uh, we want to know what's true. That's our job here. We're trying to tell you what's true and for you to get a chance to not get swayed by whatever wind of doctrine that Paul mm-hmm. warned about. We want to go to the truth. Uh, I hope that because of that, that you enjoy this and that you'll share this with your friends. Share it online. Text your friends. Uh, let us know what you think of uh, what you're hearing. And, and Mo, what, what's the best way for them to stay in touch and to keep in touch with us? Always conduitchurch.com. You can email us there. You can read more about what we're doing. It, it can also link to conduitmission.org to get a, an idea of what's happening on the mission side. Um, you can give to the various things that we talk about on here, whether it's Operation Freedom or um, one of our other um, mission efforts. And uh, obviously our socials as well, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we love to stay connected with our listeners yeah. and just glad that folks are listening. Yeah, honestly, because we don't know who's listening. So when we get like an email or a text message, we're like, oh, that's amazing. Somebody actually listened. Like, <laughs> like we can see the download. So like conceptually, we know that you're listening because we see the number of the download, but but I don't know who you are. Or so it's kind of fun when someone reaches out and says that it's been meaningful. And, and Donna's here because Donna, I guess if we were to have MVP awards, she's the one that everybody says that they love. So we bring Donna in and and oh, grateful awesome. that you beat down Corona. Uh, That's right. With a what did you say? With a uh, ripped off the arm of Corona <laughs> and beat it with a bloody stump. <laughs> Yeah. So that's in keeping with the uh, blood image from Revelation 14. Maybe that's where that came from. I've been in Revelation too long. So thank you guys for listening. We're super grateful and hope that you will listen to us uh, again next week. And if you're in Nashville area, please come check us out in person at Conduit Church.